Welcome to We Teach Clay, a podcast for ceramic teachers looking to share ideas and to connect. My name is Julie Newman, and I am your host. Welcome back. My next guest is a ceramics teacher in the largest high school in Ohio. In this episode, we talk about managing the shift between in-person, hybrid, and remote teaching. She describes her process of making damp boxes and tells us how she plans for the students to use them in all of those potential learning scenarios. We discuss what she will put in her kit and how she teaches safety in the classroom and at home. She details her approach to the standards by using formative skill builders and then summative learning projects. Lastly, we talk about her amazing YouTube channel. She lets us in on the strategies that work for supporting student learning during normal times and during our COVID season. So let's jump into our interview with Karen Witham Walsh. All right, welcome to the podcast. Karen Witham Walsh is here with me today. Welcome. Thank you, Julie. I'm so glad to join you. I am so glad you're here. Uh, let's dive right in. Um, it, it's been such a crazy life lately, right? And so um, let's start with what we know. Tell us where you are, how many classes you teach, what you teach, all those details so we can get some background on you. Okay, so I teach in southwestern Ohio. I teach in the largest high school in the state of Ohio in a a suburban community called Mason. And um, it's it's got a lot of um, uh, industry, a lot of big tax base. So um, it's maybe on the affluent side, you might say, of the the suburbs around uh, Cincinnati. I teach solely ceramics. I've been teaching, uh, this is my 30th year this wow. year coming up. And, Congrats. Um, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little stunned by that. But um, we uh, have ceramics one, ceramics two, and ceramics three, which is wheel throwing, and then independent study. Okay. So um, I've been doing that for years and just absolutely love it. Oh, that sounds awesome. Um, how many students are total at your school? Um, with, with, when we're normally in session, yes, uh, we have around 3,600 students in oh, the school. That's a nice so, size school for Ohio. That's a big school. It is. Yeah, yeah. And that's- it's funny because I graduated from the same high school way back in the mid-80s when it was still like a little, you know, farm podunk kind of school. And now it's huge oh my goodness how fun is that that you and now is it still in the same building too um no there is a new building the building that i went to as a high school is our uh our junior high so got you that happens a lot yeah it does (laughs) so i grew up in ohio we've talked before i grew up in ohio and in my town the same thing happened it was just this tiny little um town a suburb of northwest ohio suburb of toledo and it was you know uh surrounded by cornfields and now yeah. all the cornfields are developments and it's just been pushed out and out. And uh, we yeah. didn't even have, we had like grocery stores, but now my town has everything, movie theaters, yeah. Target. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the same thing with Mason? Absolutely. Same thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, that, that happens in our, our, our major cities where are sprawling out into Indeed. the suburbs. Yeah. And also just, you know, 
population where there's more people on the planet. So uh -huh. that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you started this year full-time in person. Face-to-face. Uh, full-time five days a week with a lot of social distancing, you know, put in there, wearing masks by students and staff. Of course, it would change, uh, you know, at any moment. <laughs> Who knows? Now, have you given much thought to if they shut you down, what that will look like? Absolutely. I want to have damp boxes, if you know what I'm talking yes. about. Uh, so I want to have a damp box that I make for each child. Okay. <laughs> so kind of an undertaking there. It is. So we can put some clay in there, put some very basic tools, and that will be their box. So they can use it in the classroom for the, you know, the duration, or if we have to go remote or blended, they'll take the box home. And oh, that can be their transport and, and it can help control the drying and uh, so their things won't dry out and get broken and things like that. Now, are you going to, I've seen in the past, I have a close friend who ha does this regularly under normal circumstances. Each kid has a damp box and he just has like the Sterilite or the Target, Target brand yeah. um, plastic box with a lid. I want to say they're like 16 by 11 by seven is kind of the dimension. So they're uh, a little bit bigger than a sheet of paper yeah. <laughs> and, and tall and they fit nicely in cubbies, but they also stack nicely too, if you have to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you used those in the past or is this new? Oh, oh yes. I've, I've used damp boxes in my classroom, but I haven't used them for each individual student with plaster in them. Now so, you're going all the way with plaster. Absolutely. I want to go all the way and put the, you know, like the inch, wow. inch and a half of plaster in the bottom. That so that is an undertaking. Different. Yes, that, that's an undertaking. So uh, yeah, that's my intention because that could really just they could work on their stuff indefinitely keep it leather hard yeah. um, and uh, you know transport it back they could just leave me the box and then I can take it out and I can wrap it how it needs to be wrapped to right. dry properly and everything so let's talk about this a little bit because yeah. I learned about damp boxes and I'm sure there are ceramics teachers that are like yeah I know all about that but I learned about this two years ago and it blew my mind and it changed yeah. my life <laughs> totally. Especially it, it can change your, your, your own personal studio habits, but also just for your kids. I did it once I learned, I did it with my advanced students. That was like my tester. Yeah. Uh -huh. And so what this is, it's, it's, we talked about those like Sterilite or Target bins, and then you mix plaster of Paris. Do you use plaster pottery of Paris? Plaster. I was going to say, I do you do pottery? Number one pottery plaster is always and what I use. Yeah. What is the difference between those two? Why would it be a problem if you use plaster of Paris? Um, I, from what I understand, I think the number one pottery plaster is a lot more durable for gotcha. it. Um, and I, I just don't want to run the risk that, you know, plaster will be coming off, chipping off and getting on kids work and stuff. Got you. That yeah. is, so plaster of Paris is a little bit less, um, uh, durable maybe is the word or maybe a, I think so. I think it is. I know that I use plaster of Paris cause that's just what I had in my classroom for a few. And I noticed that when they put wet things in and when they take it out, the bottom will transfer. Yeah. But I also think it's maybe because the plaster never dried and cured completely in the first place. So yeah. do you need to let the plaster completely cure before you rehydrate it? Yes. Yes. So what I usually do when I make a damp box is I'll go ahead and mix up my plaster, pour it into the bottom of the, like the Sterilite or the Rubbermaid kind of container about inch and a half thick 
maybe maybe two inches, depending on how large the container is. And then I would leave it uncovered for probably about, I would say four days, yeah, um, just to make sure that it really, really dries out. And then um, during the drying process, I take like one of those plastic scrubber, um, I don't know what you call them. It's like a nylon scrubber thing that maybe you'd use on a dish or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I use one of those and go over the top of the plaster just to really make sure it's super smooth and then kind of sponge it and that makes it a really nice super smooth surface so that's a great tip too because if you just leave it all those air bubbles come up to the top and then there's little pockets yeah yeah and it i i find that when you use the scrubber and then the sponge it really helps to prevent that transference of any uh plaster to the top that's a great stuff. tip um now that you've told us all of those steps that is a huge undertaking how many total students do you have well we have uh, about, uh, I think it's like 21% fewer kids than we normally would. Okay. Oh, okay. Now, for this semester, that includes myself and another teacher who teaches ceramics part-time. I think I'm going to have to make about 150 bins. Okay. So normally it would be closer to like 225, I think, but um, 150 might, might be doable. Yeah, that might be doable. Especially in like a production. Yeah. I, the, yeah. the problem is cost. They're, they're really pricey, but I've been researching and trying to find the best deal. I'm looking at um, a plastic bin that's the size of a plastic file box. Okay. If you, so it's like about 11 inches high, which is just perfect. It'll fit into my class cabinet. It's just barely into the yeah. shelf. Yeah. And those are a little bit tall. The ones that I'm looking at were shorter because obviously I'm looking for my cubbies. <laughs> we yes. all have different cubbies. We do. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice tall box, 11 inches tall. It wow. is because, and, and you have to factor in, you've got plaster in the bottom too. Yep. So you lose like an inch and a half. And, and I want to be able to do things still of a height that the kids would be used to doing. So. Right, right. Good I, for you. I want to avoid everything to be short. <laughs> and I like the idea how you're thinking that at any moment, if you would get shut down, those kids can just grab their kit and go. Everything's contained. Everything's together. Yeah, that is my intention. Gotcha. And uh, I mean, one of the things that I've been reading is um, trying not to share Clay. So like normally we would recycle the clay in the pug mills, but I have a feeling they're not going to get used this year at all unless, yep. you know, I recycle it and let it sit for a few a weeks. Or weeks yeah. yeah. So, um, it, yeah, I, I want to have like a Ziploc bag that they can keep their hunk of clay inside of it and it, that will help keep it moist so that doesn't get dried out and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. Um, before I'm gonna, we're gonna talk about clay in a second. But the one last question I have about the damp boxes is: Do you find that you get mold in your damp box? Um, occasionally, yeah. yeah. And um, I, I always tell the kids, oh, look, if you get a little mold, that means that you have organic matter, and that just makes everything more plastic. Don't worry about it. So occasionally, um, I've heard like if you just squirt a little bleach. I, I don't really get mold on the plaster itself. It would be on the clay that gotcha. the clay in there. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. Usually it, those little fuzzy little. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I, I will say that I think I get more mold on my wear boards at school that normally we would use, which is really nasty. 
Um, but I won't be able to use my wear boards this year either. So I know yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So, um, you know, I'm shut down. My school is shut down. Uh, we already know we're going online. Uh, wow. They haven't said how long I'm in California, Southern California, yeah. Los Angeles County is a big hotspot. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, LA, LA USD is closed. I'm a charter. And so we're, we're uh, virtual as well. Still working out all those details of what it's going to look like, but at least we know we're moving in that direction. And to be honest with you, the end is nowhere in sight. They have not specifically said for, you know, a month or a quarter or a semester. It's just, we're going to, nothing has changed for us as far as cases and hospitalizations. It's just continuing yeah. to increase. So I'm in a whole different boat. And I think other yes. people, I think across the nation, we're just a very diverse group of ceramics teachers. Some people are in my boat, some people are in your boat, but we all kind of are thinking the same way as far as if it's a kit that's going home, or if it's a kit that the students are using in school, the yeah. I think best case is to individualize our supplies in clay. Yes, yes. So in those boxes, have you thought about how, so you're going to give the kids, well, you'll be there, so you'll be able to replenish repetitively, but, you know, giving yeah. them a chunk of clay and then having a separate bag for scraps? Uh, yes, I'd probably give them a couple of Ziploc bags and I have, you know, I, I always teach them how to recycle by hand mm -hmm. and I would probably even uh, have like a little tutorial video just again okay here's a reminder this is what you do to recycle it maybe in different stages so yeah I would show them how to do that how they would you know maintain their scraps or re-moisten them if they dry out um, and I would see I'm, I'm looking at perhaps making some common tools that we could use so instead of necessarily giving them uh, my beautiful mud tool ribs that I'm afraid might not come back to school. Um, I'm having teachers collect uh, cards for me, like, you know, uh, hotel key cards and, and old gift card type things. And then um, I, I'm gonna like put some notches on, you know, one side and, and have smooth side for the other. So little things that I can make, um, I'm thinking of doing either PVC or dowel, kind of a rolling pin, probably like a small PVC, have a nice piece of heavy duty canvas that they can have in there to work on. Um, yeah, and some some little wooden tools that I want to kind of just get together and, and make some simple ones that that don't cost very much. <laughs> I think that that is all <laughs> excellent. Um, yeah, a couple of things that you, so I just did all my purchase orders for yeah. all of my kits and uh -huh. I am going to be making 280 kits, um, wow. between, <laughs> between myself, my five periods. And then, uh, one of my colleagues is teaching two periods of ceramics this year. So we together have 280 and wow. so many of the things you just said are the things that I'm doing as well. Um, yeah. so popsicle sticks, dirt cheap. Yep. Um, yeah. And then my good friend, Biliana, who I interviewed a couple times ago, she said, you know, you cut it and then you include a little piece of uh, sandpaper and they can yeah. sand and then they can be changing that tool frequently throughout yeah. the time. So if you need a larger straight edge or a better point. Um, the other thing that I included uh, for our take home kits were the dollar store placemats. Oh, so, yeah. 
yeah. right? Because I think because I'm at home, there's going to be a lot of parents that don't want the mess at home. Absolutely. So, I did the dollar store placement and then I bought the rolled canvas. It's like unprimed rolled canvas. Yeah. And I figured it was like a 12 by 12 and I could get almost 90 12 by 12 squares out of that roll of canvas. Yeah. So if teachers are like, how do I do this? What, how am I going to give every kid a piece of canvas? You just buy the cheapest. I think it's like $55 for a roll and you cut it yeah. into a million pieces. I'd, I buy my rolled canvas from, I think it's Utrecht. I don't know where you get yours, but. Um, I've gotten it from NASCO um, or yeah. Triarco and they're, they're friends now. I think they won, they acquired each other. Blake yeah. has one. Yeah. Have you thought at all about safety with the students taking some of these uh, tools home? I, uh, my favorite tool to use is a cleanup tool. It's the one that has the triangle on one end and like the dentist. I always tell the kids, it's like the dentist tool on the other end. That's my yeah. favorite tool. That one's pretty sharp. And I, yeah. keep, I'm, I keep wavering about safety with that at home. Have you thought about that at all? Well, I, I feel like the tools that I'm going to be giving them aren't necessarily going to be the, the ones that are as dangerous as what I might have in class. So, you know, occasionally we use, you know, we use X-Acto knives in school, but I'm not sending home X-Acto knives. Right. So I think I'm more interested in uh, conveying them the safety of just a, in general, as a material of, of being safe with it, with cleanup, you know, being cognizant of where it is and not letting it get on the floor and tracking it around and stuff right. like that. And not just from the perspective of being a mom that wants the house clean, of, of general safety with clay and clay materials. So. Absolutely. And then it does bring up the conversation about clay dust and that, you know, the fine particulates and that we can inhale them. And I just keep thinking that for me, we're going to end up back at school and all of these lessons that we've learned along the way will help inform us when we return. Yes. No, that's very true. Yeah. yeah. Now I have brought up the safety factor and I uh, talk about it every semester at the beginning of the, of the semester because I, I've told them, look, I've been doing this, this job for over 20 years. And if you guys don't keep the room clean and you're not helping to contribute, when I retire, I still want to be healthy. I, I don't want to have lung cancer because, you know, people have been, uh, you know, just poor with exactly. dust and everything. So they, you know, they, they kind of, I think they're kind of nice when, when I say, look, I, I'm going to retire someday and I want to be healthy when I retire. So this is why you're keeping it clean. You're going to be fine with your exposure in here for the semester, but. But you're so. in it to win it. So but yeah, I'm in it to win it. You got it. That's true. <laughs> I saw on one of the Facebook groups um, and I wish I would have paid it. I, I saved it so that I can go back to it. Um, oh, yeah. but one of the teachers on there uh, talked about making a safety sheet. Um, that has to be included with their kids to go home. And I'm like, oh, that is a brilliant idea where it just has the tools listed and yeah. um, just safety things to consider as it's almost like a material and data, you know, material yeah. safety sheet. Um, so maybe that's something to consider as well. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's something that I, I pretty much do as it is. We are required as art teachers, just like science teachers, to have the kids sign this safety contract. So we have to go over the safety rules of the classroom and different things like that at the, you know, 
every semester. So yeah, it's just an expansion of it. Yeah. And you say, you know, every semester because your classes are semester based, right? Correct. Yeah. They're just, just a semester long. So you're not reiterating to the same group, um, the safety, you know, first year, beginning of the year and middle of the year, although on your year two and your year three, they get it again every year, don't they? They absolutely. And I might get someone in second semester in ceramics two who just took ceramics one. So so you might get it twice in a year. And it's for high school kids. Repetition is key. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) <laughs> so have you made any changes to your curriculum as far as uh, starting this year with the consideration that you may or may not have to go on a shutdown? Have you made any changes? Well, th- I, I would say to the curriculum, no, because my learning standards haven't changed. Uh, the way that maybe I'm designing getting those learning standards to them, sure, that will have changed somewhat. Um, I'm still hopeful that we'll be able to uh, demonstrate most of those learning standards through clay. Unlike last spring, when they couldn't demonstrate it through clay, they had to demonstrate it in other means. But um, yeah, I'm still just trying to hit, like my level ones, I try to hit all the basics of hand building um, and uh, a lot of vocab and terminology so they have a grasp of that. So absolutely. All of that still exists. That's all in place. And it just might be the delivery that's a little different. Okay. Can you give us uh, an example of one of your favorite projects that maybe you do to in that ceramics one early on that are just, you know, hot ones, ones that knock it out of the park? Sure. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what I do actually for the very first thing. It's such a skill builder. I have, I have skill builders that are um, formative learning. And then I have projects that are more of the summative learning, right? And the, um, like the first skill builder that we do, uh, it's, it's just, it's a pinch cup exercise where they learn the basics of pinching. They learn uh, cleaning with a variety of tools. And th- that's one thing that's gonna be a little different because like I don't have the beautiful little mud tool shredders that I can give each kid. Right. Home, right um, they learn cleaning they learn a couple different types of glazing they learn um, scraffito with underglazes and they they learn mialica so it's such a cool project because they start off wait they learn with, all of those concepts with this one project with the one skill builder yeah oh my gosh okay do tell tell more <laughs> so that I uh, we it's earthenware so we start out and uh, I show them how to pinch. We're just using, you know, an individual ball. So they're making basic little pinch cups and they're making two. And then they learn how to get it leather hard overnight. You know, we'll put it in the cabinet upside down and then they come back in. I show them how to clean it with the different tools. And then, um, yeah, so they learn the glaze application with underglaze. They learn how to carve, how to clean the carving. Um, It's it's a lot that they you know, we pack into this one little thing, but it's all skills that they're going to be using throughout the semester on various things. So absolutely, pretty, pretty nice. Yeah. Now the glazing techniques would have to come after they were fired. So is it just kind of when you think about this skill building project, it's, it's the project that just keeps going and going and going. You're touching it several times throughout the semester. Very true. Yeah. So they, um, it will be working on a couple of other projects and then 
when we finish another project, we come back, okay, now we're going to dip glaze for the Mialica. And then, you know, we learn how to do brushwork with Mialica colors, that sort of thing. So, and it is nice. And because it's a skill builder, I don't grade it. They just do a little reflection on it. And they're so excited because it's the first thing that they get to take home. And uh, we, we try to do it as quickly as possible, but still it's probably almost six weeks from start to finish before it can go home so uh, absolutely and uh, every year at back to school night when the parents come in they're like when can I expect to see something come home and I'm like in about four more weeks yeah. <laughs> it's usually like the second week of school right. it, I'm like it takes so long for that first one to go home but then once one comes home it'll be pretty consistent absolutely yeah yeah that's great um how are you or maybe you can reflect on this as far as the end of the school year, because I, I was going to ask, how do you establish relationships? Because uh, for those of us who are going straight online, you know, the, yeah. the relationships for us come so easily in person because this is the class they come to, to let their hair down, to relax yes. and to, um, they, their heart opens. You can see it, it softens and they're happy to be there. Uh, do you, did you feel it all in the spring that you had found any strategies for connecting with students virtually. And now I caveat is you had already established relationships with these kids. I know that, but is there anything that you used to deepen those relationships? Well, we did, I, I tried to do, um, Google meet is what our district were a Google district. So we would do Google meet. Um, but our district was saying that they didn't want to have required meetings for the kids. So gotcha. they would be optional and, um, it, it didn't work as well as I would have wanted it to work back in the spring because I lost those connections. I would, you know, I would communicate with the kids through email if they wouldn't, you know, participate in Google Meet. but it was, it was a sad, I was very, very, very sad at the end of the semester to like lose all those seniors and not to have that, that closure that yeah. we so normally have. Yeah. And they have that send off that. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. So th- this, I will say for the fall, the district has changed that tack. Um, and we are going to have some synchronous learning. Uh, so we will be meeting sometimes. And I think that will help a lot to have synchronous learning like that. So I told you I did summer school this past summer for the first time in a long time. And um, one thing that I did learn, because it was all online and I taught a drawing class um, and it was a huge learning curve. Um, But one thing that I struggled with, and I think honesty is key in these situations, is really making those relationships with the kids. Um, They all showed up. I had fabulous attendance. Uh, They did the work. They wowed me how um how hard they worked for the class but i as an art teacher missed those connections yeah and the one thing that i found is that the kids they they would rather interact via chat yeah on when you're in an online situation or they'd rather wait until everybody leaves the meeting uh to ask you questions because they're very uncomfortable um speaking under these kind of circumstances yes so 
I want to offer that out to teachers as we as we set our expectations for those of you who are going to be doing online, you know, establishing that comfortable classroom where the students can feel free to express themselves and coming up with creative ways to call on the kids um, mm -hmm. and to create a safe environment for them to use their voices is going to be key. Yes, very true. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your YouTube channel, because I know that this has sprouted into this amazingly beautiful thing. And from what I gather from our prior conversations is you started this to enrich your classroom teaching just to provide these videos for the students. Is that correct? I, I absolutely did. Um, several years ago, my district used to be on, um, I'll just call it a block schedule. Uh, we had trimesters. So um, when we were making the switch going from the block schedule to regular semester classes, I knew I was going to be losing a lot of time with, with the kids. And I thought, oh my goodness, how can I maybe uh, get these kids caught up who are absent or how can I possibly do a demo and still have time to work in class? So I decided to uh, just make a few videos at, at the beginning. And I thought nothing of it. I was just making videos for, for my kids. And I, I had to figure out how to make a YouTube channel and all that. Right. <laughs> and when I put it up, I was completely shocked that I had all these other people that started watching it. And I, I had no idea that there was going to be a larger market that other people would be interested in it. And um, from that time, it just kind of took off and grew. And I've learned a ton of stuff and learned what cameras not to use and how to edit better and all sorts of things. So, so what is your YouTube channel, by the way, so that if people want to go pop and find it? Oh, sure. It's called Karen's Pots and Glass. But the weird thing is my first name is spelled unusually. My parents were creative spellers. It's K-A-R-A-N and Karen's Pots and Glass. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I did it that that title sounds so weird. I know it's because I had an Etsy shop with that name initially. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what to call it. I'll just call it my Etsy shop. So well, and I think then you, you know, having no idea how big it was going to get you like, <laughs> and I think yeah. three years ago, four years ago, it was, um, there was not as much on uh, available as there is now. Yes, yes, that is very true. <laughs> How many subscribers do you have now? Uh, I, I think it's around 47 or 48,000, somewhere in that vicinity. And do you watch that? Is that kind of, I mean, it's exciting to think that, that you're reaching that many people. It is kind of crazy. Yeah, it's kind of fun. And then how many videos do you have up now? Oh, gosh. Hundreds? Uh, at under 200, I think. That's, that's so much. That's fabulous. Yeah. And, and some of them, there might be a few that are like private videos. So I'm not really sure. Like I have some family videos that of you course. can only get if, you know, I don't want everyone to see the videos of my parents, you know, but it's, it's, I, I share the link with family and stuff. You don't want to share with 47,000 people. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> would it. be awkward. <laughs> but so here's the cool thing. Um, and you can really kind of see how it's evolved. And, and it's such a great tribute to learning curve, right? You know, when we all pick up these new technologies and develop into um, these experts of, of our craft, whether it's ceramics or it's recording YouTube. And I've just yeah. watched how your videos have 
have changed uh-huh. and evolved. Yeah. But I also love how early on you can see it really is this classroom teacher trying to continue the ex- instruction for her students. And that's like the foundational aspect of those early videos. I have been so inspired just even myself for several project ideas just by scrolling through your videos. Aww. I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Oh, that's a great idea. So for, for people that are, are searching, this would be a great place to, to go. One thing that blew my mind was your glazing video. So let's talk about the wall of glaze in your classroom. Okay. All right. So that's funny that that's, that's what you had as a takeaway from that. Yeah. I have um, one, one wall in a counter space that I just, when, when we built the school uh, many years ago, many years ago, they kind of gave me a, uh, just a layout of where the walls would be and said, okay, what do you need? it?" And I'm like, I just need shelf after shelf right here. And I told him how far apart so I could put glaze jars on there. Right. So I have an entire section of low fire glaze. And then I have a whole section of high fire glaze and, and just jar after jar. And I have all the test samples that are hanging up there. And it's just a nice, easy reference. So kids can always go back and they're always out basically. And one thing that I did early on is I changed the jar. So I would put my underglazes in a different jar. But what I see you is you just put everything on the wall. Do you find that your kids ever, uh, because they're all the same size jar or shape jar, use underglazes in place of glaze or glaze? And is that just, that's just our life, right? Absolutely. The children do that do not pay attention will do that. Even though, you know, I have, when, when I start the glazing process, we start with little, little things like we'll say, start with the Mialica glazes. Uh, you know, so it's one small project that I introduce first. And what I usually do with that project, I take construction paper and I put this huge construction paper frame around where the glazes are with words that say, use only these glazes. That's brilliant. <laughs> so it kind of blocks off other stuff. So if they go back there and they're like, what glazes do I use? I'm like, see the big giant <laughs> orange paper back there. That is such a great idea because the, it's it's kinesthetic too, because they're physically walking over, they're physically pulling a glaze out from the frame, yeah. right? From that highlighted section. And so when you remove that, they're still going to see that frame in their brain when they yeah. walk up to that glazing yeah. counter. Interesting. But I, I definitely have to be super attentive and yeah. watching, say, uh, so-and-so, now where did you get that glaze bottle? Oh, right. Yeah, that's from the wrong side. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Now, another thing that I saw in the video that I loved was uh, the one paddle mixer that you just put down into the glaze bottle and you have them mix the glaze with the one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The little beater. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. And the kids do that and do they love it? Yes, but they're really funny because, okay, so uh, to explain it so people can visually understand what we're talking about. So you have like a a hand mixer that you would use, you know, for like cake batter or something. And you only put one beater in it. And then when you put it down in the glaze jar, then you have to cover the top and hold the jar. That's the most important thing when I tell them, cover the top as you hold the jar and then they mix it up. 
but of course you get the one child who forgets to put their hand over the top and glaze goes everywhere. But yeah, it, it does work really well because especially if you have a glaze that's been sitting there, gosh, we're going to have glazes that have been sitting there since, you know, February that haven't been used. Right. And you're going to need a little need more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I even have glazes that are like, I have back stock that was maybe I bought at the end of the prior year that it's just an extra bottle. And then yes. I bought new. So I have the, it in, I, I'm moving classrooms this year and I just moved all my glazes over and I'm like, they were so like, I had to shake them just to get them active again. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I might have yeah. a, I might have to go in and do that again, but it, it is bringing up a good point that all of these are going to be sitting. And that's a great tip for uh, reinvigorating your glazes is using that hand mixer. Yeah. And usually I can get a donation of those. Like, you know, I just send out a list to parents at the beginning saying, hey, if you happen to be getting a new hand mixer, a new hair dryer, um, a new blender, these are things that we can use in the classroom. And people will just send them in, you know, if they get a new one. I'm so. writing this down. That's <laughs> yeah, I think most all of my stuff like that would be donations. Now the hair dryers, you know, they sometimes will like, they'll they'll heat up and then you have to wait for them to cool off or blow in them to get them to cool off because you know they got a new hair dryer they, they gave it to us because it's old so that's such a great idea and then also i i'm always sensitive to donations i don't want to ask for people to go buy things right but asking right. people when they replace if yes. you're replacing your blender we'll love to take the old one old, old bath towels that's my favorite i i have so many towels that because I use towels a lot to control the drying in the in the classroom so it's very helpful tell me more about that you use old towels to how do you do you get them wet and nope nope so let's say for instance a kid is done they're ready to move their pot to the drying cabinet um we'll often use like I'll use I refer to it as a bag hat where it's just kind of like on the right. on the rim but um a towel is a great way to help it kind of holds in just, you know, a dry towel, especially if it's a little heavier, it holds the moisture in and allows it to dry more evenly. So like when I'm drying stuff at home, like I made a whole bunch of cups recently and I had about 20 cups upside down, just covered with a big bath towel in my studio, let them dry for a few days and then I take the towel off and they can dry the rest of the way. What yeah. a great tip. See, this is why it's like, I'm, I'm always feverishly writing. I do this podcast because I love meeting people and talking to people and getting ideas. And I just kept thinking there are more people that could use these ideas too. So awesome. that's a fabulous tip too. Cause I find, uh, I do a big Greek base project and when they yeah. put them in the back with the handle, I'm always doing that hat and then, or I'm tearing yeah. a bag open and putting it on the side because I want that to dry slowly, but the towel might be key for that. Yeah. Changing my life, Karen. I've done that with big sculptures, especially. It's very, very helpful. And I still might put like a bag over some areas, but the towel is great for even drying. Great. That's a great tip. So with your YouTube channel, do you find, um, do you find that the students go and watch your videos? Do you, is it evident when the students haven't? And what do you do with that? Um, yes, I do try to flip some as much as I can. I don't have complete buy-in from all the kids, unfortunately. Right. But um, when, when, if they're supposed to watch something and they haven't done it and it's obvious, 
uh, I will say, okay, we'll take a break before you work in clay. I want you to just review that, you know, or if they were absent right. and they missed the demo, I'm like, I want you to review that beforehand because there's important stuff that I cover in there. Right. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it is interesting though, when the kids might be investigating on their own. So like one of the projects that I do, the final project I do is a pick a passion project. So that at the end of each of my different levels of classes, where they are just finding something that they're interested in, something where they have to investigate and, um, you know, they have to find a tutorial or it could be a video, it could be a blog post, anything like that. Ceramics Art Daily is great for all sorts of stuff. You know, I give them a plethora of things. It is funny though, when kids will find one of my videos, you know, because they've been investigating my channel now and they, right. they find they want to make so that's fun I think of like our our overachievers our go-getter kids yeah that probably pre-watch several hours yes. of your content they they do that's really funny my my favorite thing though is at the beginning of the semester when I'm going to show them like the very first um I don't know. I'm I'm gonna show them a brief demo on how to do something and and you know it's like a three minute video that I'm gonna show them and I'll just, I'll have my YouTube page pulled up on the screen uh, and, and, you know, I'll say something like, well, I'm, you know, let me click on the video here. And someone in the, in the class will say, wait a minute, she has 47,000 subscribers. <laughs> it, it, that just, they are into subscribers or like, yeah, it's, it's hilarious because suddenly it gives me a legitimacy that, oh, you that know. gives you such street cred. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I love that. Oh my goodness. Um, one thing that I found last spring when I was recording videos and putting them into um, Google Classroom, and it, a lot of them were like my welcome videos, or right. I was using Flipgrid and I was explaining via video what the assignment was, but I also provided the written. Yes. A lot of like, if when I look at the views, I'd only have like 10 of my 40 students viewed the video. Yes. And I was like, in the world but it's because i'm thorough and i had to take a pause and say look every kid doesn't need a video right if i'm providing written instructions that's enough right yeah so one thing that i think is uh, important for uh, our listeners maybe our apprehensive teachers that are listening is to harness the fact that you started just to provide videos to your students. And Absolutely. I think it's overwhelming for some of us to, to wrap our brain around recording and doing this, but it, it's become such a tool for you to use in your classroom, not just for COVID shutdown, you use it all the time. All the time, yes. I just, I, I am, I used to be a workshop junkie. Like I loved going to workshops and just, oh, I learned this other new technique and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I try to kind of capture some of those things that I was so excited about for my kids. Right. And, um, and what I have also found is kind of funny. It's like over the years, it's, you know, I'll see a video and I'm like, oh, I did used to do that that way, didn't I? And I, <laughs> Oh yeah. Okay. I remember that. Sure. You've done so many now. <laughs> it's really funny, but I love that. Um, yeah, it's, it was, uh, 
and it was such a natural kind of a segue for me because I was so engrossed in ceramics all the time. I, I, I haven't been teaching multiple subjects for years because right. I'm a big high school. I'm just ceramic. So I think it made it a little bit easier for me to get into that video production for the clay. Absolutely. And then um, a good friend of mine, Mike Flower, just posted this fabulous video on, on Facebook to, to our teacher community. And he was like, look, guys, we're a creative crew. Like we are a creative group of people. And all of these tools that we're making because of COVID shutdown are things that we can use for the rest of our careers. For and sure. so it's, it is different. It feels weird, but embrace the weird and yeah. wonderful things happen. So yeah, yeah. I think that you're a true testament to uh, that. Just, you know, dive, dive into the deep end, trust yourself and your creativity and look at what magical things can happen. Yeah. I want to give you a chance to share uh, where people can find you because, well, obviously we talked about your YouTube channel and they'll be able to find a lot of stuff, but I know that you also are a maker and an artist. So where can people find you? Well, um, pretty much everything is called Karen's Pots and Glass. Yep. Spelled K-A-R-A-N. So, yes. And um, I, I first started with an, an Etsy shop and yeah, I just do a little bit on there. I have some niche things. Um, I, I've been focused a bit more on the video production than really, you know, pottery production um, and focused obviously more on teaching than pottery production. Um, on Facebook, I'm uh, Karen's Pots and Glass. I think it's Karen's Pots and Glass on Etsy. Instagram, it's Karen's Pots and Glass. Twitter, it's Karen's Pots and I think and it's just blah because you can't have as many letters or something. <laughs> gotcha. Oh my gosh, that's funny. <laughs> Karen's pots and glow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so weird. I don't know. <laughs> no, but that's great. So you are you are everywhere. And um, I think that that's really fun because no matter what platform people are on, they can come and find you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping. But I'm really not good about posting. <laughs> I, have to, I have to be honest. I wish I were like, more savvy about that. I've thought about the, there's like websites where they can coordinate it for you. And then I found out how much it was a month. And I'm like, I don't want to pay that much that to have yeah, coordination yeah. of social media. So uh, some, think, someday. Right. Right. And I think too, you know, you found your niche, you, you do your YouTube and you share kind of your knowledge and your, um, enthusiasm through that. And I think that everybody kind of finds one or two platforms where they share most of all. Uh, that is true. That is true. Yeah. And teach to your, or work towards your niche, uh, which is good. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much for spending some time with me this afternoon. Uh, I, I can always tell when I uh, uh, had a great interview because I have all of these notes written down on my paper. <laughs> Lots of ideas for me to take into my classroom, into uh, these next just unsure couple months. So thank you so much for sharing with us. I appreciate your time today. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And thank you for doing this podcast. It, when I found it back in the spring, I was so excited because, you know, we, we went to COVID and I was like, no one else can relate to what I'm encountering, you know, what I'm facing as a ceramics teacher. And then I found your podcast, found the Facebook pages, and it was like, 
oh my gosh, there are other people out there. And it's, it's just wonderful. Thank you so much. And I think the thing that is kind of lost within all of this COVID mess is the idea for this podcast was supposed to be without COVID. It was supposed to be a podcast where we got to share ideas about ceramics and teaching. And I hope in the near future, this will continue to evolve through the COVID crisis into and settling into our sweet spot where we all want to be and we love to be teaching ceramics. Yes, absolutely. And I find that ceramics teachers are such great sharers of stuff. Absolutely. So, well, thanks for being a great sharer and uh, look forward to connecting with you in the future. Same here, Julie. Thanks. Karen is amazing. First of all, 30 years of teaching. Wow. And she is such a treasure trove of info. I love Karen's magnetic personality. She is so upbeat and enthusiastic. One can't help but get excited about what she's doing. For those of you who have started this school year like normal in person, you might be looking at a shutdown. With the way COVID has been evolving in America, it is presenting some tough decisions for our districts and our administrators. If you can, sending supplies home in a kit is the best way to continue your curriculum in an at-home learning scenario. If you haven't yet, go to Karen's YouTube channel. It's Karen's Pots and Glass, and it's spelled K-A-R-A-N. You can watch her damp box video. She's already made and distributed all of the damp boxes that she spoke about in our interview. On YouTube, she shares all the info you will need on how she puts those kits together, as well as links in the video description for her supplies and sources. While you're poking around in her channel, you'll also see a video on safety concerns and tips for students using clay materials at home. In this video description, she also links her Google Doc that you can reference. It was really helpful for me when I created my own version for my students. Once you look through those two references, you will enter a time warp as you poke around on all of the other videos that she's posted. Really, it's amazing. After a few videos, you'll notice that hours of time have passed by and you won't even realize it. While you're there, just subscribe to give her more support and come back often and catch up. I have learned so many classroom tips from watching Karen's videos. Consider it a little pre-holiday gift to yourself. And with that, I bid you farewell, stay healthy friends, and keep connecting. Mm -hmm.